sure to tune into Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much, much more. On her new radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues, as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or are notable immigrants themselves. Check out her new show, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Immigration, with Tamina Watson on Desi 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you. Good morning, Seattle. This is Tamina Watson at Desi 1250 AM. This show is all about immigration, Immigration with Tamina, where we talk about immigration issues, um, news updates, and we talk to people who are making a difference in the immigration laws or are astounding immigrants. Um, if you have questions, we'd love to talk to you as well. Our phone number here is 844 301 That's 844 844- 301-1250. If you have questions, you're very welcome to call us. Um, and if you want to email, the email address is info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. So today I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. But before we speak to the wonderful guest, I want to give you some news updates. So number one, the STEM OPT rules that kick off um, uh, today, actually, um, are really about the new program for uh, OPT uh, students who are graduates of science, technology, engineering, and math subjects. And remember, the 17-month extension is now 24 months. And if you have already applied and you're waiting for your approval, um, you have to go through a transitionary period where you will likely get an RFE that will ask about the various new things that you have to prove. And if you are applying for OPT today um, onwards, you must follow the new rules. And there are a lot of new rules. There are specific forms to complete. It's rather complicated, but hopefully your school international department knows about it. Um, But if you have questions, you're very welcome to call in or email us about it too. The other thing to uh, remember, and this was in the news last week quite a bit, uh, if you are traveling into the U.S., Um, you must have an e-passport. Now, what is an e-passport? An e-passport is an enhanced secure passport with an embedded electronic chip. And I have a document from the CBP website, and you can go to the website, which is www.cbp, that's C for cat, B for ball, P for poly, gov, and you will see that there are pictures of the type of passport you must need. Um, and essentially, there's a little chip at the front, at the bottom of the passport. Um, last week, there were several stories um, in the news about UK citizens who were turned away from from the airport who couldn't um, travel into the US. Very, very important if you have families, uh, family and friends traveling into the US, um, please make sure that they know that they should have an e-passport. They simply will not be able to get on the plane. The other thing to note is H-1B applicants, uh, employers, employees, um, take note that the premium processing adjudication will begin May 12th. Initially, the USCIS said May 16th, but after doing the random selection process, um, it was announced that May 12th is the date. 
Now, I filed personally a lot of applications, but I haven't heard back on on many of them or as many as I thought. And I have a lot of anxious clients waiting out there, and I can assume that many of you are anxiously waiting. So if you filed um, an H-1B application using premium processing, you will likely hear back by May 12th. So if you haven't heard yet, don't panic. Um, but if you haven't heard by May 12th, it's very likely you, your application was not selected. So then what happens? You will wait to get a, a, an application that's the rejected application, um, perhaps by the end of June. But that brings me to next week's show. We will have one of my clients on the show on May 17th. Um, and at the time she agreed to be on the show, we didn't know if she would be picked or not. Um, so uh, we will find out and we, she will be on the show talking about this process and what what it means to her business. And she really is an example of many of the businesses that I represent. Um, And I believe that you will find the conversation very, very interesting. And lastly, um, API Chaya. I don't know if you know about it. API Chaya is an organization that helps women, um, particularly women, who are victims of domestic violence from an Asian Pacific Islander background or a South Asian background. And I have been involved with the organization for um, 10 years or more than 10 years at this point. Their annual fundraiser is on May 14th. Saturday at the Western in downtown Seattle. It is an amazing organization and an amazing evening. Um, I describe it as... um, an Indian wedding without a bride and groom. You can dress up as much as you want, but you're still underdressed somehow. So um, it's a really, really fun event. The who's who of the South Asian community will be there. If you want to attend, please do. I actually have a few seats left on my table. So you're very welcome to um, sit at my table if you if you do attend. And then one last thing before I move on. Um, well, two, two articles I want to bring to your attention. Todd Schulte, who is the... Uh, president of Forward.us, who has been on our show in the past, wrote an article recently which really talks about uh, the various reasons why we should have immigration reform. I would draw your attention to the article that um, uh, I can't see where it was published, actually. Um, the printer cut off the, the little tab at the bot- at the top. So Google it, Todd Schulte, forward.us, amazing article, really, really clear and concise with statistics and the various aspects of immigration reform that need to be um, uh, taken care of. And then finally, a wonderful article, and I didn't know about this organization, uh, it changing, the article title is Changing the Immigration Debate by Electing Immigrants to office. Now, you will know, listeners, that throughout this show, I have been talking about how we as immigrants need to be engaged. And there is an organization in New York called New American Leaders Project. And the president is Miss Bojwani, who is the founder and president. And this organization seems to be doing something different. They are training immigrants in how to become elected leaders. And, you know, in our very own state, we have uh, State Senator Pramila Jayapal, Councilwoman Vandana Slatter. Both of them have been on the show. Um, but we have many others who are, are, are elected. Um, and I think to bring immigration reform to the country and make it a reality, we all need to be engaged and we all need to take part. So 
read about this organization. It's a wonderful organization, it seems, and it really uh, draws m- attention to the issue that I've been trying to um, make, m- make clear on our show, that we need to take action, we need to be engaged. Now, without further ado, um, I want to introduce our guest. Today's guest is an incredibly notable immigrant. Like me, he is also of of Bangladeshi background, which makes me even prouder of him. I'm proud and honored to announce today's guest, CEO of Live Stories, Adnan Mahmood. Adnan, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the invite. Well, I am so, so grateful that you've taken time out. I know you're extremely busy with just, you know, zillion things to do, including advising governments. Um, so it's, it's just an honor for me and the SE1250 for having you here. But before I ask you lots of questions, I want to introduce you to the listeners. Adnan Mahmood is the founder and CEO of Live Stories, a Seattle-based startup building uh, data tools for non-data people, simplifying data analysis, visualization, and presentation for everyone. Live Stories is being used by governments and large nonprofits like the Bill and Mil- Melinda Gates Foundation, Government of Nigeria, and County Health Departments in California to make smarter decisions. Prior to Live Stories, he founded and grew Jolkana.org, a nonprofit focused on supporting up-and-coming social entrepreneurs around the world. He also worked eight years in Microsoft, where he managed the two biggest data pipelines for the company, obtaining few patents around data analysis and visualization, and ran incubation projects in Microsoft Research, contributing technologies to major Microsoft products like Office, Windows, Xbox Connect, and Bing. Adnan is an envoy for U.S. State Department for Social Entrepreneurship and youth leadership, speaking at university campuses around the world. He has been featured on TEDx, CNN, NPR, and Huffington Post. Welcome, Adnan. I have so so many questions for you, <laughs> and I don't even know where to start, so I'm already asking you to come back on the show because uh, you are one of the most notable immigrants we have around here who's doing so much to make an impact. But tell us, the, the, the listeners, a little bit about Live Stories. Sure. So, uh, so Live Stories, we provide technology tools mainly to governments um, to help them make sense of their data and uh, tell stories with it. So, you know, governments are by far the biggest employer in every country in the world. Um, and they also happen to have the largest amounts of data in the world. Um, but unfortunately, um, those um, big governments don't actually use the big data that they have um, as much as they could. Um, so our goal is to try to help facilitate that interaction a little bit more, um, connecting government to its data, um, either in for internal decision-making purposes or um, communicating impact and performance and progress to to their constituents. How impressive. So um, as, an, as an immigrant uh, in the U.S., how have you been able to, I mean, you're, you're seeing something from a different perspective, and how has that helped in, the, in this journey that you've had with Live Stories? Um, so, so I think there's there's two sides of it, right? So one is, as you said, like I was born and raised in Bangladesh, and my um, my father actually uh, worked as a civil servant for the Bangladeshi government. So, you know, um, Bangladeshi government is almost always rated as one of the most corrupt governments in the world. <laughs> <Sadly>. um, and <laughs> 
Um, and then, and then, it's other thing Bangladesh is really famous for is you know are well known for is just natural disasters. And so, growing up, I had kind of I would say front row seat to both of those and um, situations, and seeing how lack of information and transparency can really hold back um, the government from serving its number one purpose, which is taking care of of the people, right? And so, so I think that has always stuck with me um, that growing up, so that that never changed. So. When I had a chance to, you know, go in on my own and do something, I felt like um, that was a place I wanted to do some impact work, uh, impactful work, and and so that's how it got started. And then now um, I'm sometimes asked to talk at different places, especially around the world, and oftentimes in front of governments around the world, and just being able to communicate to them that hey, like I come not necessarily from originally from the U.S. but from other country that's not very much different from you as a developing country and and I see the challenges the governments have um, and if they want to be transparent there are ways to make that happen in a cost effective way and um, and this is how how you know it can be done Wow and I think that makes you more relatable to their problems then exactly and exactly. more effective that's right. wonderful so you have gone through the immigration process here and I can only imagine it wasn't easy uh, tell us a little bit about that journey and if you had to change anything what would you change so uh, I came to the US to go to college um, I, I went to a small school in West Texas and, um, you know, coming from Dhaka, Bangladesh, which is a town city of like 15 million people, I ended up in a West Texas town of like 90,000. So in Bangladeshi terms, it's a village. I went from a city <laughs> to a village in a different country altogether. Um, and then I, I heard you speaking earlier about OPT. I'm very familiar with that. I came on the I-20 visa and then went through the OPT process for a year um, and then got a to go to my master's degree, right? Um, and then I started working at Microsoft. I think, and then from Microsoft, they sponsored my H-1B, um, and then from there, I got my citizenship. And then, so that was been the journey. Um, it's it's a pretty standard journey. I don't think it's um, anything unique. Um, but I think the, you know, like I think I was lucky that, you know, my H-1 was sponsored by Microsoft, right? So I think that, they understand it really well. I think mm-hmm. that the resources and that made it easier. Um, but still, um, you know, it was a little um, tedious, I would say, because filling out all the forms, if I remember correctly. I thought the, um, you know, I thought the OPT was really easy at our time, but it was only for 12 months. I, I heard you saying now they're extending it to 12, 24 months. Well, the 12 months still exists. Okay. There is an additional 17 months that used to be for STEM um, graduates. Now they're extending that to 24. I feel like that's new. Like that is <laughs> brand new as of today, actually. Oh, even the 17 months? The 24 months is oh. as of today. How old is the 17 months one? The 17 months was actually struck down by a judge uh, in a court saying it was not created with due process so then the government created a new program but it's stricter so while it is it may may have been easy once upon a time now employers will have to fulfill a lot more obligations Mm. to be able to hire them yeah i didn't even know about the 70 month option so i'm not sure if it was around when i was doing my opt but may may not um, have been actually but I, i only had the 12 month option and i remember like um you know i remember like going through the opt process and it was around 2001 and the economy had 
like kind of slided right after mm. um, my graduation, and I had a really hard time finding a job um, that would give a sponsor H one B. Um, so I, my hand was forced to kind of apply to grad school uh, because my OPT was running out. Um, so so I, I'm very familiar with it. I think the the thing I would change about it, I, I, I would say, is, um, is the ability to go and get work experience um, much more easily um, for for students because I think education is great, mm-hmm. but education without the practical experience is I think almost useless. So, um, so I would I would encourage or I would if there's one thing I would encourage the U.S. policymakers to look into, mm-hmm. other than obviously the entrepreneurship visas and stuff, is around you know how can you provide the students with more practical experience because at the end of the day. Um, you know, the U.S. wants to invite the best minds in the world. Right. Um, and if you have the best institutions in the world already, then there's a very good chance the best minds are actually being cultivated here already. Um, I so, like that. So let's best not minds let them get away. Right? are already being cultivated here. And that's absolutely true, which brings me to the next point. You are an immigrant entrepreneur, and you're a champion of entrepreneurship. Are you seeing challenges for visas for the entrepreneurs that you help? Yeah, so I think um, I think I said like I was really lucky with my H one B process, right? And can I? I'm going to interrupt you yeah. for one second because you were from Bangladesh, and Bangladesh means that the waiting time is actually significantly less mm. than people from China, India, and other countries. Mm. And the biggest challenge that our listeners have, who are from India. Uh, typically from India, their waiting time is ridiculous. So in many ways, that is a, is a big, uh, a, a fortunate thing that could have happened to somebody from our country. Right. And I, I think, um, you know, I, I think the, so I absolutely agree that that, you're, that being from Bangladesh made it much easier for me. Um, I, I also think that, you know, in my um, company, you had helped me with one of H-1B cases. It was um, my privilege. I was right. so lucky to be able <laughs> no, to help you. you. And, and she was actually from China. I'm, or She was um, a Canadian citizen now, but she was originally born in China, so she actually went to that line of people who are born in China. So it was, we remember the, I remember how much of uh, paperwork it was, and thank you for managing all of that for us. But, um, but I think that's the problem, right? Like where if you are running a small business in America... Um, you have a lot of things to worry about. You know, it's not like immigration is the only thing or hiring a foreign worker is the only thing you have to worry about. Even like when I do my taxes or do my registrations and there's all this paperwork or processes you have to keep track of. Um, So like if, you know, if we want to grow the jobs and if you want to, I think, allow small businesses to utilize um, or leverage these, um, these exceptional... Um, um, people from uh, from around the world, it would be great if we can do that much more easily, right? So, um, yes, I understand there needs to be a process. I understand that we need to go through the checks um, that are required, but but it, I believe that could be done much more quickly um, in a more efficient way. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the things that I am a big proponent of for is a visa for entrepreneurs why do we not have a visa for startup founders would you agree that we need one 
I think so. I, th- I think, um, I mean, as far as like Visa goes as being an enabler, right, where they can start their business in America, give jobs in America um, to Americans, um, creating more jobs here. And if the visa enables an uh, entrepreneur or a budding entrepreneur to be able to do that, why not, mm-hmm. right? Um, why not, again, make America the place where we attract the best minds around the world to create the best businesses in the world, right? Um, so as far as visa being a tool to attract those people, I think it should be in a, in a toolbox. But again, like I want to make sure that people don't you know, abuse the system and we should have the right checks. But mm-hmm. th- that should not take us away from making it an enabler, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's sure. I mean, what the startup visa would do is really take the metrics of a f- of a of a startup. You know, one of the problems with an H one B is you have to give a salary, but you know better than anyone when are you paying yourself. Um, and a startup founder would the start visa would take into account how much money you've raised, how many employees you've had, that type of thing. We don't have a visa that takes into account those types of um, metrics, essentially. Yeah, I mean, and I think. Um, you know, the market systems are great at helping, you know, figure through some of this these challenges, right? So um, if you look at the the funding environment, um, if you look at the funding environment, like VCs or investors, um, they get, you know, thousands of um, candidates or, mm-hmm. you know, opportunities for investments every year, and they pick out, you know, few of those, right? Mm-hmm. So they're already looking at, these kind of metrics and deciding where they think they want to place their bets. Interesting. And VCs are already looking at these metrics. Right. So so if we can leverage that somehow and say like, hey, if you're going to get, um, you know, funding from one of the top VCs in the country, then that's a seal of approval that we could use mm-hmm. um, to say like, great. So they have given you money for achieving a particular milestone. Um so for that amount of time, mm-hmm. for you to achieve the milestone, we will, again, enable you Great. to reach that in, in, Great in America. Great suggestion. Right. Great suggestion. We have just a couple of minutes left. I want to have just a very short summary of you, from you. You are an inspiration to many, many people. And if there is an immigrant entrepreneur out there or even just a, you know, anybody who wants to be like you, what would you tell them? You know, I, I would say that, hey, like, you know, at America, there's a lot of people like you, Tamina, who's trying to make the system better and easier for entrepreneurs, right? And w- it's a hard work, and we're going to continue, f- you know, doing the right thing, and get, hope we'll get there someday to make it even easier. But to the entrepreneur, I would say, if you have ideas, you should go for it. Um, don't let you know not having a visa in the U.S. Um, hold you back. Yes, it would be great for you to build a great business in America, but. At the end of the day, if it's you know if it's your dream, if it's the thing you were meant to do, um, then go and figure out a way to do it. If not in the U.S., then somewhere else. Right. Great, great last words. If you have an idea, go for it. Don't let the visa hold you back. And if it's not America, do it where you can. Well, thank you so much, Adnan. Really, really appreciate you being here. And on behalf of myself and Desi1250, we're grateful you took some time. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. Well, listeners, that was Adnan Mahmood, CEO of Life Stories. Um, We just have a minute left. We're coming to an end of our show. Thank you so much for being with us today. This show is all about immigration. If you have questions, you can email us at info at 
watsonimmigrationlaw.com. The website, uh, my website is watsonimmigrationlaw.com. Um, if you have questions, if we can help with anything. Next week, I would love for you to tune in and listen more about um, H-1Bs and the process and the trials and tribulations that come with this um, ridiculous process where businesses have to rely on a lottery for hiring people. Our guest will be Teresa Fairfield, founder of OT Clubhouse in Redmond. And um, we will talk about much more then. This is Tamina Watson discussing immigration on Desi 1250. See you next week, Tuesday at 10 a.m. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.